Hello and welcome to a Brave Space podcast with Dr. Meeks. I'm your host, Chelsea Glasgow. And of course, we have the wonderful Dr. Meeks here. How are you doing, Dr. Meeks? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Listen, if you were listening to our last podcast episode, you know we had a special guest, Barbara Brown Taylor, bestselling author, teacher, and Episcopal priest. And guess what? We have her here again today. Thank you so much for being here, Barbara. Wouldn't be anywhere else. (laughs) appreciate that we do well listen our last podcast episode we talked about being brave and how we had to tell the truth um, make sure that we're brave and so that we can build communities of wellness now one of the things that the center does of course is create spaces so that we can be brave and tell the truth but the reason why we do that the intention behind that is so that we can ultimately be well In order to be well, you must be brave. Um, So with that being said, Barbara, I would love to hear what your thoughts are about wellness and how does one become well? I'm convinced that question would be answered differently in every decade of a person's life. At an earlier age, if you checked in with me, say 30 or 40, I would have told you about The person who said to me, look, if you're a working woman, there are four circles in your life. There's self-care, there's close family, there's friends, and there's work. Choose three. (laughs) There are four circles. (laughs) Choose three. Because that was the balance of trying to stay well during the peak of my working life. At my present age, I'm about to have a birthday with a big zero in it. And at my age, wellness, this is going to sound really odd to younger people, but it's about learning to fall. Wellness is about learning to release my grip, learning to to give up my rightness about things. It's about giving up my busyness, the way I justify my existence by how much I produce and how many projects are on my list. It's about giving up my old ideas of security and theological certainty. And, and what I'm doing is practicing to die. But when I say that to people, they shriek and run away from me because I hope I've got a little while to practice that. But but I have thought enough about this and sat by enough deathbeds to know that that the ultimate letting go is not anything. That's not an exam you study for the night before. So I'm, I'm practicing bravery about a whole different thing now than I did when I was 30 or 40 or 20 or 12. Um but but wellness for me still has something to do with those circles, though I think I would replace work now with purpose. So it would be some kind of care for the body and the mind and the spirit of the, the self. And, and attention to the family has become much larger to me. I have time for grandchildren, nephews and nieces now that I never did. Friends have zoomed into importance. And work now that I'm retired has become purpose and meaning and how I create that, whether it's um, aiding the creation I'm in charge of here in the place I live or being involved in in local movements. And it's a moving target, that wellness thing is. But I think even to hold it up, um, Chelsea, you said you can't be well if you're not brave. That's true. Um, and you probably aren't very good at being brave if you're not well. You know? <laughs> very well. You, you, you may be something else, like a pain in the hmm if you're if you're <laughs> brave but not well. So, mm-hmm. so I think of wellness at my age as wholeness, and mm. that wholeness is taking a different shape now than it did at other times. 
Oh, wow. But, but you know, Barbara, I, I, I love what you just said. Let me say that first. And I'm right there with you and letting go, getting rid of things, downsizing, and all of the, that stuff you do when you get older because you start understanding you don't need a lot of that stuff you've been carrying around with you. But I think that um, all through life, we are given that same opportunity, but we get so preoccupied with so many things until we don't pay attention to it. I think all, all of our lives, we're being asked to let go. We're being asked to practice dying because we're all going to die one of these days. And, and we don't know what day that's going to be. So, a lot of the stuff that we get traumatized about, if we could have let it go, had that attitude of, well, things die and new things are born, you know, that whole birth, death, rebirth cycle is there throughout every bit of the universe. And we just kind of push the the death part away and just try to stay in being alive and, and, and growing instead of understanding that death and that birth and death and rebirth really constitute the cycle of living. If we could know that earlier, I think life could be a lot less traumatizing. Yeah, you remind me when we talk about some people being old souls, I think that's what we mean is they jumped ahead and uh, they're comfortable um, in ways that a lot of people their ages aren't. You also bring to mind, again, the importance of community because there are also different communities we're with as we age. And I am surrounded by more and more people who are helping me normalize the, the, the slower pace, the higher mindfulness, the, the different valuation system that I'm in now. Whereas in my 30s and 40s, I was very surrounded by a hard-driving, hard-working, 60-hour-a-week community. So there's there's also something, Chelsea, you asked earlier, this might be a place where churches, if if they were doing their jobs, <laughs> could be places that echoed that that theme that Dr. Meeks just spoke to. Do you think you mean to tell me you think churches aren't doing their job, Barbara? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, oh, did I say that? I think. <laughs> <laughs> It's not recorded or anything. It's not recorded. <laughs> I, think it is recorded. I don't. I don't know anybody who goes who who attends worship or belongs to a church community because they want less out of life. <laughs> they they, they all want more. More parking spaces, better nursery, better sermons, bigger budget, <laughs> more people. Yeah, and and I you know I I want to just I don't want us to just pass right over that because I think. I think th this is one of the most troubling things for me. I believe that if the church ever decides, and I mean generally now, universally, that it really and truly wants to follow Jesus Christ, that we will be, we will be experiencing new levels of transformation in the world that we've never seen before, maybe since the first century when folks were first still enamored with Jesus because it just seems more and more that there's a uh, an effort to get as far away from Jesus as possible. We just want his name and we don't want to be bothered with the rest of it. And I'm really lobbying for let's try to see what Jesus has to say and then let's see how, how much we can be open to the spirit to help us try to engage with it. And, and, I, and I think that if the church ever does that, that, that centers like ours won't be necessary because the church will be doing what it's supposed to. Wow. 
And see, I think there are some buildings and pensions and, you know, budgets that are going to fall by the wayside as as the values change. But you just said something important to me. I, I now wear a Holy Spirit, a descending dove around my neck. And I haven't given up the cross, but this feels like a Pentecost time to me. It's a It's a real time of brroken-hearted disturbance. I think someone on this podcast said that. I want it, a pin, I want a that. necklace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find one for you. It's just it's a different feel, you know, to be waiting not waiting for this dove, seeing this dove descend again and again in in unexpected ways. So we can, and, it, and it goes right back to, to bravery and wellness and all of that. And uh, really, what does it mean to be well? What does it take to be well? Is and, and the church needs to be asking itself that question and trying to figure out the answer and, because, instead of some of the stuff that we're putting out to people that's not helpful to anybody. And, and that just I just talk about it all the time. And, and basically, you have lived that conversation by your own processes but it's it, we have got to we have got to catch a glimpse of this new message i think in order to move ourselves in a different direction and right now in this country we need to be really thinking hard about this because we're at this place where there's not going to we can't put some old bandages on these on these wounds we've got to come up with something that's got new energy. Mm-hmm. One of the um, things that I wanted to say that as you guys were talking, the scripture that came to mind was Matthew sixteen twenty five, and it says, for whosoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And when we're talking about being well and this process of slowing down and letting go um, and practicing, right, for that transition, I thought that that scripture was so powerful. And so when we're talking about transforming churches, it's really just going back to the word that it was built off of, right? Um, And again, telling us that principle about, hey, you have to lose things in order to truly gain true life. What are your thoughts on that? I know because I've looked it up. I love that passage. And I sometimes want to put ego in there, though I know there was no word for that in Greek, I, at least last time I checked. So I do look at ways in which, as individuals, churches, communities, we get deeply into self-preservation. You know, whether that comes out in ugly ways, like they will not replace us, or, you know, our, our tribe needs to be bigger than theirs, but um, to give up putting, uh, I've got to be really careful about this because I also think there are people who could use more self-preservation, right? More ego. So I got to be careful about that. But at least those who are accustomed to being top of the ladder, top of the heap, who don't want that to change, you know, that that's, that's the thing that has to be preserved is that's what I will not mind seeing relinquished. Yeah. And that goes for every arena, right? Like that goes from, you know, in in government, those who hold power, that goes for white supremacy, that goes for um, churches and and those who uh, have this, this, re system in their church, you know, where the pastor or the priest says one thing and that's just that, right? Um, We do have these systems that usually preserve the ego. And when that happens, everyone, that person's life, that person's position is saved, but everyone else suffers because of it. What can we do about that? 
I'll turn that over to Dr. Meeks. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you know what? I think every institution is about self-preservation. And, and I, every institution that I have had any real dealings with, it's at the bottom, when you get to the, to the last word, it is more interested in preserving itself than what it says its mission is or anything else. And understanding that, then you have to understand yourself as a resistor to that if you don't believe that the institution is more important than people's lives and souls and that there's some things you want to be committed to that are bigger than what the institutions are committed to. And so I lived my whole life uh, as an academic. And while I love the freedom that I had, the institution, I was always under, I always understood what the where the institution was and where I was and we weren't in the same place. So there's a there's a there has to be some capacity to make a commitment to being on the margin of the power the power machine if you want to be this free and brave and well person that we're talking about. And people just aren't ready to do that. You know that you 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 understand yourself as a powerful person but you use your power in ways to support the life of other people as well as your own life rather than to just maintain your power. And there's so many folks that are much more committed to maintaining their power, which is what the ego is into, than using that power for the good of the whole, for the community, for the for you know, for the the well-being of people including yourself, but beyond yourself. So let's add mindful resistance to bravery and wellness. Mindful resistance, you know, as the opposite of kind of automatic knee-jerk going along with the way it is. Yes. So that's good word. And it and you and it requires counting up the cost. You know, you have to decide somewhere along the way that there is a bottom line you have that has to do with your integrity and your. Uh, desire to be whoever it is you have come to think of yourself as being so that you're willing to risk other things in order to protect that bottom line. And I grew up picking cotton in Arkansas. So I figured that any job above that was okay. So whether, whether I stayed in academia or had to go work somewhere else, it was not a big deal to me, even though I really did enjoy being a professor. But I was always ready to, to say what, what I believe in here matters more than having this job. And so, but, but everybody has to come to that for themselves. You can't tell somebody to put their, line, their life on the line that way. You have to make that decision for yourself. Yeah. I think that goes back to uh, what Barbara was saying about those four quadrants and how, you know, when she was younger, um, the quadrant was work, friends, family, um, and self-care. But then as uh, you matured, the the work quadrant changed to purpose, right? And so I think that that kind of describes what you were just saying, Dr. Meeks, as far as that transition. Um, and I've just been, you know, soaking up all of the wisdom and knowledge um, as a millennial. You know, when you said those four quadrants, I was just like, yeah, that sounds about right. Choose uh, <laughs> three. That sounds about what I, you know, how I split up my life. Um, but I'm so empowered to just hear about how I can take steps to be um, resistant, mindful 
to have this mindful resistance to be brave, right? And so I'm so appreciative of what the the golden nuggets that you guys have given me thus far. Listen, we're coming to the end of our episode, but I wanted to go ahead and give the space to say any last words um, of encouragement on the topic of being well and being brave. So Barbara, I want you to take, I want you to do that. Um, It's going to be personal. Uh, Read, 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 read books. People wrote, and they're not like you, especially read memoirs of people who are not like you get inside their heads. They're allowing you to inviting you to read, 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 Um, um, visit, 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 go places that scare you a little bit to go there, go there, knowing you might be the only one like you there, go find out. Um, Three, invite, 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 you know, occasions, public, private, invite um, any way you can to expand the circle of people, you know, and for me in particular, a kind of final way to reach for the things we're talking about. I almost want to have it tattooed on my hand. It would be STFU. And if you don't know what that means, I'll just say it would do me well to listen more than I talk because I am a big talker and I just want to be shut the up on my hands so that I can look down at that all the time. But that's a great invitation for me into bravery and wellness and mindful resistance is just listen more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to going to get matching tattoos. Okay. So you let me know when you go. <laughs> and I want the, no, whole, I want the Holy, I want the Holy, the Holy Spirit necklace. So you see, you've got all these, you got us going okay, for these okay. things here. Well, thank you so very much. Uh, Dr. Meeks, did you want to say anything before we close? I just want to say thank you, Sister Barbara. Thank you. Uh, I mean, this is such a, oh my goodness, such a delight to get to have this much time to talk to you. And I can't wait for some more conversations. And I just want the audience to uh, read read your books and listen to your words and, and just uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, that's a, that's a 360 all the way around. Thanks to all of you, Chelsea, Dr. Meeks and Easton, who's invisibly listening to us and yes, putting all this yeah. together. It's and if you're going to call me Dr. Meeks, I'm going to feel bad for not calling you Reverend Barbara, but we know you're the Reverend yeah. Barbara. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you uh, for having this conversation with us. We are so grateful. And so uh, like the Reverend Barbara has said, read, 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 listen. Uh, she has 15, she has authored 15 plus books. So if you are looking for a good read, just type in on your Google search, Barbara Brown Taylor and read, read, read some of her books. Visit our website, centerforracialhealing.org to continue this conversation with us as well as um, stay connected with us on social media, Center for Racial Healing. And also we invite you to join us in our next rich um, and invigorating podcast episode where we always tell the truth and share brave space with our brothers and sisters. So thank you guys so much for listening. And it's until next time, remember to always tell the truth.